Hey friends, welcome to the Wild and Free podcast, where we combine our love of great coffee with an even greater purpose, to make a difference in the lives of those affected by human trafficking. I'm Twyla, owner of Wild Ginger Coffee and host of these life-changing conversations. It's been a couple weeks since all the turkey and if you're like me all the cookies <laughs> but also hopefully a ton of relaxing as well we are adding this bonus episode because honestly it could not wait and it has everything to do with you and human trafficking in your own backyard sergeant jay bonikowski is the head of human trafficking for the waterloo regional police and he is awesome Jay lives in Waterloo Region and has worked in the police force since 2001 in literally so many capacities, including uniform patrol, street crime, guns and gangs, organized crime, covert operations, and now human trafficking. In his downtime, he enjoys anything outdoors and traveling when he can. This conversation was super helpful for me um, and informative as well, and I know that it will be for you. Jay helps us understand the prevalence of human trafficking in our region, how to recognize the signs, and what we can do to help. Are you ready? Let's dive in. You are going to love this conversation with Jay Bonikowski. Welcome to the Wild and Free podcast, um, Sergeant Jason. It is an honor to have you with us today. I am super thankful that you agreed to be here. So welcome. Thank you for having me. Very appreciative. Awesome. Do you want to just go ahead and introduce yourselves to the listeners and to me since we've really only communicated over email? So I'd love to just get a look to know a little bit about you. Um, yeah, ab- absolutely. So um, my name is Jay Bonikowski. Uh, I've been a police officer with the Waterloo Regional Police uh, since 2001, so uh, 20-ish years now. My current role with the service is I supervise our human trafficking team, which is, we call a joint force operation between us and Guelph, the city of Guelph. Um, So we're responsible for all human trafficking investigations within the region of Waterloo and the city of Guelph. Um, So this team that we current, the model we currently operate under has been uh, here since October of last year, so it is um in its first year of its inception but it's uh it's working well i think um my uh my little background of my career um i spent about six years in uniform patrol when i started working out of the city of kitchener um i spent about a year and a half in one of our plainclothes street crime units following that um but spent about six years with our guns and gangs team after that um a few years after with our organized crime team after that um got promoted to sergeant in uh, 2017 um, spent a little bit of time in, back in uniform patrol, and uh, recently, over the last 18 months, this has been uh, where I've landed. This is my current position. So, um, I've had a, I've had an awesome career. Um, it's had its ups and downs, like any other career out there. But uh, I've, I've been really, really blessed with a, with a great career to date. Yeah, that's crazy. I couldn't believe when you sent your bio all the departments that you've worked in, and I guess when you worked in in a job like that for that many years you're probably not going to stay in in one place for the whole time um yeah. so that's do you find that kind of your experience in all those areas i would imagine would kind of be helping you in this position that you're in now it's, absolutely i think it, it uh it, it's certainly beneficial that i'm able personally to draw on you know a lot of different um, aspects of my operational background as well as the the team i'm responsible for supervising everyone has a very diverse background um, both professionally and in their personal lives. And I think when we melt those two uh, together, that's when we can kind of be um, 
as humanistic as possible and uh, deal with the people we deal with on a on a very grassroots um, one on one level. So mm -hmm. yeah, I've uh, I've been very fortunate to learn from some really good people in my career. I've had some cool opportunities, and yeah, they've kind of parlayed into the position I'm currently in. That's that's really awesome. Um, I mean, I'm willing to bet that most of the listeners are a little bit like me, at least, and I had no idea we even had a human trafficking department, I'll be yes. completely honest. Yep. Um, and I guess just, I mean, you touched on it just a little bit, but yeah, what does that mean? What does, what are is kind of the main focus of that department? Yeah. So our main focus of our unit, um, when we created this unit, it was created under um, a grant from the government, a frontline policing grant, it's called. So right now it's a three-year uh, commitment that we've teamed up with uh, the city of Guelph for their uh, police department, uh, victim services of Waterloo Region, as well as the Sexual Assault and Domestic Violence Treatment Center. So we have a, uh, a standing joint forces operation with all those different community partners. And really what the model that we have modeled uh, our human trafficking team after is called a victim-centric model. Um, what we've recognized, I think, as an organization and uh, as a group of investigators is that if we don't do our best um, to ensure that we're providing all the community um, supports that we can to these victims of one of the most horrific crimes I've ever investigated, then truly um, there will never be a prosecution without a healthy and without an empowered victim. So we recognize right. that our first and our foremost focus is to extricate the victim from the life that they find themselves in, provide them with kind of wraparound community supports, and ultimately, um, hopefully encourage them um, to be able to tell their story to the point where we can you know, build reasonable grounds and charge and arrest people. Um, mm -hmm. Having said that, with this model, that is kind of a distant second for us. Um, it's been a bit of a shift in focus for me personally, in the sense that um, chasing the bad guy, for lack of a better term, mm -hmm. um, has to come second in this world. Uh, we have to recognize that um, the victims are who need our, our attention and um, they deserve our attention. And then we'll follow through with the, the police investigation once we've um, kind of given them the supports that we can. And you need them to, to get to the space where they are healthy and, you know, have had yes. experience enough healing from that trauma to be able to speak, yes. you know, to speak out in a court and not re-traumatize themselves um, through that experience. That's a, long, that's a long road and it looks different for each individual survivor, as I'm sure you guys have um, yes. are very aware of yeah i i will give any any survivor of of this crime all of the absolute credit in the world they're probably um in reality a much stronger person than i am i don't know that i would be able to dig deep enough to share those types of intimate um details with people i don't really know um you know we're, we're asking these victims to trust us we're hoping that um, through our actions that they can trust us but that's a really big ask, um, mm -hmm. and we recognize that. So I, uh, I give them all the credit in the world. They're they're a powerful, powerful group of people. Mm -hmm. And that's like such a tough spot for for you and your team to be in as well. In this, yeah, wanting to wanting to see the perpetrators, you know, dealt with, but also holding this tension of, but that has to almost be secondary in a way, which would feel really frustrating. 
Yes. Um, that's what you're trained to do. Like you said, go after the bad guys. Right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's been a new, uh, for me personally, like it's been a new uh, shift in focus. Um, but I think in this world, it's a necessary one. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. you kind of just won't do anything then. It, you're exactly. chasing them around and, and the victims are still, and they're know, still sitting there struggling. Um, yeah, without support. Mm -hmm. So yeah. are you mostly just then, you know, you're linked to um, different organizations and things in the community that you can then refer uh, the victims that you come in contact with to them? Um, is that sort of the chain of how that how that works? Yeah, essentially, so with the model that we're working under and with being teamed up of, with uh, Victim Services of Waterloo Region as well as the Sexual Assault and Domestic Violence Treatment Center, um, they're really the organizations that afford us the ability to offer an abundant amount of resources um, to these victims that we encounter. Um, really anything you can think of resource-wise, um, we have the uh, really the community connections to to make that happen and predominantly that's through the work of our victim services um, human trafficking crisis interventionist um, she's really the behind the scenes hero with making all those types of things happen mm -hmm. that's awesome and i mean the more you know the more of these organizations that are willing to work with victims you know come up the more of a plethora of options you have right i, I wonder if exactly. in the past i mean if you've seen that even change over the years that you've been involved in this capacity that there have maybe been an uptick or an increase in the options for victims? Without question. I think, um, you know, for lack of a better term, and, it, you know, human trafficking is kind of the, in the, the flavor of the day um, mm -hmm. in the sense that the, the government, the current government has recognized that, um, you know, we, we could maybe do better than we've done in the past um in dealing with victims of this crime um and really in my opinion it's kind of one of those crimes that i think collectively um really as human beings um there's mm -hmm. no one that can justify this crime anyone mm -hmm. who attempts to justify this crime is a horrible person in my opinion i think <laughs> collectively as a society we all want this to stop um yeah. So because of that, I mean, that's why I'm here talking to you today. Mm -hmm. um, there's just a lot more community resources available and a lot more public awareness um, than there was, you know, even three to five years ago. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the only way that we can justify this kind of thing happening is either A, we're just ignorant, we don't know, yep. Um, yep. which is a lot of time the case, or we are compartmentalizing and refusing to believe that you know, because we kind of want to keep up whatever lifestyle it is that we have. Um, yep. So in order to that, we have to, you know, justify some things and work some things around. Yep. Fancy footwork in our thinking to allow for that to be a thing that, well, like, maybe it's okay. But that gets, you know, I think you're right. Most people, um, once they come to understand what is really going on, are, are yep. horrified and, and would agree um, that, that this is not okay often people are complacent to this issue not because they don't care but because they don't know yes um, they don't realize that it happens right here it's this far off oh it happens you know overseas or and they have this sort of we have this mental picture of that but i guess um yeah what i even myself personally what i'm curious about is just what 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 is its relevance in the waterloo region well wellington right in our backyards yeah, so I, I would say, regrettably, it's, um, its presence is massive. 
Um, we've been a, a pipeline corridor, we call it, being on right on the, the highway um, for drug mm -hmm. trafficking and firearms trafficking for years, just given our geographical location. Um, it's just parlayed now into human trafficking. Um, with the ease of access of the 401, um, we can we often see victims, um, you know, spend a week or two weeks within our region, and then they are moved on to Durham region or to Ottawa or to mm -hmm. Toronto or to York region. It's a very multi-jurisdictional crime. Um, having said that, um, there's a massive presence in Waterloo region. Um, you know, we've got two universities um, and a and a college um that bring forward a lot of young um females into our region that aren't from here a lot of foreign students especially at the universities um so they can become for for lack of a better term target rich environments um yeah. for for traffickers um yeah i i could say with certainty i you know i have a team of of five including myself investigators that that are tasked with investigating these crimes i could probably have at least another team of five and be busy every uh -huh. single day um wow. yeah they're, they're, it's that's just the sad reality mm -hmm. and if that doesn't you know bring it close enough to home for us then i don't know what will yeah. you know we yeah. have to be able to realize that it is happening in our backyards and it's not a scare tactic it's just an awareness tactic you don't need to be yeah. afraid in your neighborhood no. but you need to be paying attention and realize that it's not a far away issue yes um, it's very much here whether or not you see it in broad daylight or not it yep. is happening um, yes. From your perspective, over, kind of over the years that you have served in this in this department, um, how have you seen the human trafficking, or more specifically the sex industry um, side of human trafficking, change or grow? And what do you think might be some of the main causes that you have seen for that? So, for for human trafficking itself, um, this is in my professional opinion, um, some. Some people in our society, um, some forms of criminality have recognized that it's a more profitable um, form of criminality than, than trafficking in drugs or trafficking in firearms mm -hmm. um, for a number of different reasons. Um, so it's ultimately a, a crime of power, of coercion, manipulation, and ultimately greed. Um, mm -hmm. So um, that sect of criminality recognizes that there, there's a lot of money to be made. And that's really what fuels, for the most part, any any form of criminality. Um, so yeah, it um, the COVID has kind of changed things in a sense that um, it forced a lot of it underground or not so much in our face. Um, a lot of things have moved uh, online, and a lot of recruitment has moved online. So as you know, a, as we pivot as a world and recognize our new normal. Regrettably, our you know our criminals also pivot and they also mm -hmm. adapt to the times, um, making our job a little more difficult sometimes. And with that kind of show, I've kind of wondered how that will play out, even you know statistically, where when it's all kind of moved a little bit more underground, can it appear on the surface that there is less of but there is in fact more just because you don't maybe see the numbers coming in and maybe maybe you do in your department more than maybe what you know we would see in, in other areas but mm -hmm. it's that sort of oh it's it's getting better but it's not as it just moved yeah I, I think it's something that um you know it it hasn't lessened what we see um from a, okay. a an investigator standpoint um we recognize that 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 the criminality has changed and we're, and we're kind of changing with it. I think from a, a community standpoint, 
Um, with a lot of things moving online, it, it is less in your face. Um, you know, it's it's less evident at, at malls, if you will, because malls weren't open for a long time. It's less evident at, at different fitness facilities because they were closed. Uh, schools and universities were closed. Um, so a lot of different places where some of this recruitment would happen in the past, um, it's we haven't seen it during COVID because it hasn't been available. Um, so yeah, I, I think as a community, you know, out of sight, out of mind, and that's not because we'll, you know, we'll, we are willfully blind to it. But it's just there's so much else going on in everyone's daily life that if you don't see it, you don't think about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I mean, it, yeah, it happening in our backyards and this has to have an impact on on our communities, whether or not we are realizing that it's happening or not. Maybe yeah. what are some of the ways um, that it is affecting our communities and, and, you know, even below that, why why it's important for us to be aware of what's happening again, not to scare everyone to stay yeah. inside their homes all the time, yeah. but um, yeah, why is it important that we understand what's happening and what's it doing to our communities? So I think um, I think what what you do see and and maybe don't always um, draw the nexus uh, to it, but there there is a a high degree of violence that goes along with this crime, um, mm -hmm. you know, in some of our other other uh, forms of criminality are linked back to human trafficking. We always, we don't always publicize that uh, for different reasons. Um, so yes, behind the scenes, it is fueling a lot of different forms of criminality. I would say um, as a community, I think ultimately um, if something to us doesn't look right or feel right, um, it probably isn't right. Um, you, you know, especially if, if you are a parent and you do have young children or teenagers, um, yeah, if you see something that, that just doesn't feel right or just doesn't look right or, or a young girl feels it looks, you know, gives the optics that she doesn't want to be in the situation she's in, or she's, she looks scared of who she's with. Um, those are all sometimes little minute signs that, that can point towards something being wrong. And one thing I always try to say, um, when I've done different community presentations is that we we as a unit will never be upset about the amount of calls we get from the community. I would rather be flooded with calls and information um, and you know, maybe say that 70% of those weren't HT related, that's great, but 30% were and now we know about that. Um, never hesitate to, to you know, call um, the regular police line, crime stoppers, you know, we have our, our human trafficking general email, you can email us at any time and remain anonymous if you'd like to. Um, so yeah, I, I would just, you know, if something doesn't look right, it probably isn't right. And I would trust your, your gut on that one. Yeah, that was, that was going to be my next question because I'm even, you know, some of my friends, um, around the town that I live in have been, you know, I've, I've had my roommate came home the one day and was like, oh my gosh, I just saw this thing and it was kind of weird, but I, like, I don't know. And I didn't want to just pull over and but I don't know what to do and she's like what do you do and I said yeah. quite honestly I don't know I yeah. said I don't know what to do yeah. when I when I see something that looks yeah. um suspicious and it was like do you call the police is this like a separate number what do you call so we'll maybe have to get some of that um, yep. information from you and put that in our show notes because I think it is one of those things that probably you will see something but again you don't want to you know be the person you don't who want to... wolf all the time, yep. but hearing you say that is, is putting confidence in people to be like, no, if it, yeah, if it doesn't look right, it doesn't feel right, 
something yeah. and maybe maybe it's not a human trafficking issue but it might be you know it might be something. domestic violence issue it might be something else and that's yes. also not that's also an issue you know? Ab- absolutely um, it, it um, doesn't hurt to yeah to tell people and maybe um yeah so for for people who are uh, concerned yeah about about this or wanting to be able to um recognize the signs and you mentioned a few of them there but yeah, what are what are some of the things that we can look for? Like, how can we be, you know, good neighbors, friends, <laughs> family? Yeah. You know, you might see a friend in a relationship that you're kind of going, oh my gosh, like, I don't know about this one. Or, but yeah. sometimes we, if we don't know what to look for, then we don't know how how to help. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's tough to to give a list of definitive signs, but I think some mm-hmm. things you can be cognizant of. Um, you know, e- even if it's not in your direct friend circle, but it's something you see at a, at a mall or a school or a fitness center. Um, if someone doesn't appear to be in control of their own possessions, um, you know, if you see someone mm-hmm. handing handing a young girl a cell phone to use, or if you, if it doesn't seem like they're in control of their own person, that's always something to look for. And and again, like you mentioned, it doesn't always mean that it's something human trafficking related. Um, but it's also something that we may want to want to know about because it may be, like you said, you know, a domestic violence situation or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know, it, if you see, especially things at a hotel, um, you know, if if you see a, a young girl walking in, um, you know, with kind of an older man again who is kind of directing her movements and directing who she talks to or who she's allowed to talk to, mm-hmm. those are sometimes signs of of human trafficking. Um, like I mentioned earlier, ultimately it's a it's a a crime of power and coercion and ma- manipulation. Um, mm-hmm. So what we often see is these these victims not being in control of of their own movements and and you know of their own possessions. A lot of times they won't have their own identification. They won't have their own bank cards. They won't have their own cell phone. Um, all of that's kind of been stripped away from them. So um, yeah, kind of things that it, it's tough. Like I said, to give a definitive list, but um, yeah. again, I would say if someone appears um, like they don't want to be where they are or they don't want to be with a particular person and they seem like they're um, you know, ha- have a look of nervousness on their face or they're constantly looking at the floor and not looking at you in the eyes. Um, there's a lot of things that, that start to add up. Um, you know, maybe one of those things isn't a sign, but when you start to see two or three of those things together, then it, it starts to paint more of a picture. Right. Yeah, that's that's really, really helpful because I think we do sometimes see things we don't know really how to vet, <laughs> yes. vet through um, what, we're, what we're looking at. Yeah, uh, but I I can't even you know imagine the kinds of things that you have seen in in your years um, working in this very very tough industry. What would you say are some of the biggest challenges that you have faced or that you face um, in your work? I think for me personally, um, in my some of my other roles in policing, um, you know, it, I could walk away or go home at the end of the week and know that I wasn't able to accomplish all that I wanted to accomplish. Um, but I would have the opportunity to do that again next week or the week after. Um, it's a little, it's been a little bit different for me in this world. Um, you know, I recognize that at the end of the week, I'm I'm walking away from work and I'm going home, um, not knowing full well, um, I haven't been able to help all of the people that need our help. Um, you know, regrettably due to a number of issues, um, staffing being the biggest one. That's that's just the reality of, of our profession. 
um, we have to triage our cases and we have to do that. Um, you know, we have to determine a level of importance, not because anyone's existence is more important than someone else's, but um, there may be uh, more of an opportunity that they'll they'll find themselves uh, in a in a really bad spot sooner than someone else. Um, having said that, everyone's uh, life matters, mm -hmm. and it's sometimes difficult walking away at the end of the week knowing that you know while I'm not working over the weekend or over the days I'm off, um, that person's still being victimized. They're still mm -hmm. going through some of the worst things that they are, have ever gone through in their life. Things that would make you and I cringe. Um, and I just don't have the time and resources to look at it. So that's that uh, for me personally. That's that's that can be tough at times. To to not take that work home with you, right? And the, the, the yeah. to carry that whole burden and that whole responsibility on yourself, which is I think why as a community, if we can become more aware, I mean, yeah, we can't go investigate things, but we can maybe take some of the some of yeah. that burden on ourselves as well. It, it can't just be you. It can't be any one person or one department no. that's responsible for all of this. Yeah, you know, it, it really much. is. Yeah, and and the more that you know, we can collaborate and, and come together, like you said, as a community and recognize that we're not okay with this occurring uh, mm -hmm. in our region, then yeah, I think the more success that we're gonna have. Yeah, so you know, when you kind of have those moments of man, I don't feel like I'm doing enough yep. or I can't do it all. What kind of, what keeps you going? What yeah, makes so you show back up again and do it all over again? <laughs> yeah, for me, and again, this is just me personally, um, mm -hmm. I, I take, I'm able to take a step back at, at this stage of my career and, um, and kind of reflect on, on the positive impacts we've had in the past week or the past two weeks or whatever it may be. And, you know, I, I have certain moments in my head of uh, moments where I, I feel like we've made a true connection with someone or, or we've given someone a, an opportunity to, to kind of change um, the life that they've known. Um, so those, those moments that, that I keep in my head are kind of what motivates me um, to keep coming back. And again, I, I hate to sound um, in any way narcissistic. It's not a one man show. It's, it's a team effort here. It always is. And there's a, we collaborate with, lots of other units in the service every week. Um, so I'm certainly not, um, I don't want to portray it being all on my shoulders. Um, but yeah, for me, it's our success stories that I reflect upon. And, uh, and yeah, it, 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 you know, it can bring a smile to my face, not forgetting about those that we haven't been able to help, but recognizing that, yeah, there are times where, where we are making a legitimate difference and uh, that feels good. Yeah. And with, with an issue of this magnitude, it's, you have to you have to get to the point where it's worth it for one it's worth it for yes. one person and cuz you you we cannot no. you know save everyone all the time yeah. but it has to be it's like if all of this only gets one girl free or two or three, you know it's got to be enough and it's it's got to that has to keep us going it's, it's one at a time yeah it's funny you mention that because that that is something um I'll tell um, our younger officers when I do internal mm -hmm. presentations, like truly, if we do, if we're able to help one person authentically and help one person, then it's worth it. Mm -hmm. um, and it really, really is worth it. Yeah. I mean, you, you ask that one person if it's yep. worth it and what will they tell you, right? Exactly. I mean, a hundred percent. It's, it's yep. still, it's still life. It's still, still a person yep. um, who is now free, even if there's, you know, someone you couldn't get to that week. Yeah. Um, or many that you many that you don't even know about you know it's yep. 
um, it will yeah. paralyze us and we'll do nothing if, if one is not enough. Yeah, we really try not to dwell on that toxicity and that negativity. We try to focus on our success stories and, and try to allow those to motivate us moving forward. Is there, um, this is a little bit off script, so you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but is there, a, um, I'm just thinking about just kind of like the, the inventive emotional tool that, I mean, even just any area of policing would take, sure. but this one in particular, I feel like is a, a heavy one. Um, is there support for for you and your team um, in that to, you know, have places to go with what you've seen and what you're, what you're dealing with, that kind of thing, or is that sort of each individual person is, you know, responsible to kind of do what they need to do? To the one thing I really will say is that our, uh, our service, especially over the past couple of years, has really recognized that we need to take care um, of ourselves. And it kind of, you know, parlays back into my um, initial statement about um, recognizing that if we don't have a healthy victim, that we'll never, nothing else that we do matters. Um, it's kind of the same with our investigators. If if we don't do a good job at taking care of our investigators, then then we're not going to we're not going to be able to investigate these crimes. Period. Um, so yeah, our I will say our service has come leaps and bounds over the past two to three years of ensuring that our investigators have the supports that they need, both reactively and proactively. Yeah, yeah. no, that's that's good to hear. I just, I I mean, I, on the podcast, I'm you know talking to people who are running organizations and things all the time, and it, it can get heavy. And yeah, you know, I just sometimes wonder if you know people have the you know because if yeah, we lose you guys, we're, we're in big trouble. Yes. <laughs> We need you to be, you know, healthy and, and there this to run your team and, and all these things. So it's, yeah, but um, that's really good to hear. Uh, what is one thing that you have learned about human trafficking um, in our in our region specifically or generally that you would want people to know or understand? That's a good question. It's my favorite question. <laughs> Ask everyone. So there. I... In my head, there's a few parts to it. So I, I think, mm -hmm. first and foremost, I want people to recognize that this is absolutely occurring every single day, every single night within our region. That's just the reality. Mm -hmm. It's happening whether you see it or not. Um, I think I want people to, to recognize and, and to know authentically that um, within our profession, um, we have changed the way that we investigate these crimes in the sense that we are absolutely putting the victim first. Um, victims of human trafficking in this region do not need to cooperate with a police investigation to get our help. Um, mm -hmm. Oftentimes that is a myth. Um, they think that if they don't um, provide a statement and they don't um, bring um, evidence to the to the point of going to court that we're not going to be able to offer them resources and they consider it a quid pro quid pro quo i never say that right um because that's <laughs> what they're never used said to that in my life <laughs> <laughs> so, because they're used to anything that they've gotten in their life while they've been entrenched in human trafficking hasn't come without giving up something for it so they mm. they always no, i shouldn't say they always a lot of the times um these victims assume that they have to give us something to get something from us that's not the case um mm. you know i i can i can reference two times in the past year um where we've been able to interdict um with a victim who's caught themselves in the cycle of human trafficking um neither victim at that point um was at a stage in their life and in their recovery um where they were empowered enough and healthy enough to give us a statement about everything that occurred absolutely mm. recognize that both these victims were here in Ontario with no family. They were both from out of province. 
On both those occasions, within uh, 48 hours of interdicting with those victims, we had them on a plane back home to their families in their provinces, um, and that's without having any form of identification. Um, airlines like WestJet and Air Canada are fantastic um, to work with when it comes to victims of human trafficking. They go above and beyond to work with us and to really, like, as quickly as we can, get them back home where they have that support. Um, I like to reference that a lot because I, I think there is um, or there can be a, uh, a myth out there that there has to be a give and take back and forth between the police and victims. That That isn't the case anymore. Maybe there was a time and place where that occurred years and years ago, but but we're done with that. We're, we are here to authentically um, help victims that want our help. Yeah. And that, that is so important because you would become, um, the victims become in just entrenched in this idea yes. that I do not get anything without yes. you know it requiring it costing me something and so even just in the way that you know you have kind of if they if they ever were doing that they've changed it and they've kind of revamped that to make it something yep. that would already just be so counter to what they would have experienced that, yep. that's already going to bring so much hope yes <laughs> to someone whether or not they are at a place where they can you know, yes. and give back in that way. Um, well, I, I think that I can safely say on behalf of myself and, and our communities, quite honestly, and the people listening, that we just so appreciate everything that you guys are doing. We were probably not aware of what you were doing until this moment, um, but it really is, you know, really is making a difference, and it's, it's encouraging for us to hear that there is something, you know, even bigger than us in place in our region, and um, for us just to be aware of you know its prevalence and, and what we can do and where we can call if we see something yes um, yeah i'm so so thankful that you took the time to talk to us and i do have just one more question that's a little bit on a lighter note but i asked nope. everyone i have on the podcast or do you can have something I, you want to yeah i do can i throw yes. one more thing in i i yes, forgot please to do. um yeah. should you know should any any um woman who is working in the sex trade industry right now um happen to stumble on this podcast and hear this podcast another big myth that's out there um that is kind of driven into their heads a lot of the times by traffickers is that what they're doing is illegal that's not the case selling sex in canada is not illegal if you're doing it independently so what we try to tell um people who are in this industry whether they're in there independently or because they're a victim if you need help call the police you will not get in trouble for doing what you're doing okay um no matter who has told you that you will selling sex is not a crime buying sex and all the offenses that go along with that that is illegal selling sex is not so you can always call the police for help you will not get in trouble yeah no thank you for saying that because that i think that, that is a big barrier sometimes of that I want help and I want out, but yes. it feel like it feels like I don't have options because if I go and you know turn myself in now I'm, yeah. you know, am I going to end up in jail? And then how is that any better than where you yeah. know that's? Um, I think that's really important if, if somebody's listening and um, yes, and needs to hear that. That's that's awesome. Um, yeah, thank you for sharing that. No problem. But yeah. So we have yeah we always ask this one question at the end, which really isn't related to human trafficking, but because we're a coffee company, we just need to ask everyone um, if you can have your coffee. And are you a coffee drinker? I should start there. I am. I, uh, I'm actually, so without knowing it, I, I was never a coffee drinker for the first 18 years of my career. Um, 
And uh, a couple of years ago, I started drinking coffee. But what I didn't know is I started drinking Americanos, which was espresso. So I kind of yes. skipped over coffee um, and went straight to espresso without knowing it. So I, uh, I am, uh, I'm very fond of espresso. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, that already partially answers the question. So if you can have your coffee exactly the way that you like it, yes. um, who would you drink it with? What would you drink? Where and when? So it's funny uh, you ask me this. My uh, my brother lives out on the west coast and uh, tries to get lost in the mountains whenever he's uh, able to do so. And a little while ago, he sent me a picture because he knows my affinity for espresso, um, yeah. and he's also um, an espresso lover. So he on uh, one of his his multi day hikes recently, he sent me a picture and he brought his own um, portable espresso machine coffee and he took a picture of his espresso on top of the mountain. So I think yeah. in a perfect world. Um, I uh, I would have an espresso uh, with my brother while sitting on the top of a mountain um, in pure silence, and that would be yes. um, perfect for me. And knowing that you're not lost, and you also know how to get yes. down off the mountain, and this isn't like your last cup of coffee ever yes. because you're dying on that mountain. This is yes, exactly. <laughs> this is because I want to be there, and I want to be enveloped in silence, and that is the ideal scenario for me. That, that is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you so much for doing this. Um, no problem. This is, this is great. We really appreciate you. Thanks no for your problem. time. Hey, you have my contact information. You ever need to bounce things off me, have any questions, um, feel free to do so. Oh, absolutely. You're going to be sorry you came here. <laughs> oh, that's great. Awesome. Thank you. All right. You have a great day. All I can say is, wow, this is one of our shorter episodes, but so jam-packed full of helpful things. Honestly, I am just so grateful for Sergeant Jason and his team. If you would like to send a note of thanks or encouragement to them, we would love to pass it along. Their job is a thankless and endless one, and we would love to support them in this in any way that we can. You can send your thanks or your questions to wildgingercoffee at gmail.com. We would love to pass them on and find ways to answer your questions in future episodes as well. Make sure that you check out the show notes. You can find those by clicking on read more in the description of this episode for the phone numbers and email address that you can use to contact um, the human trafficking department if you see something that doesn't seem right or if you are trapped in a situation that you don't want to be in. We want you to know that there is hope and help available and we want to help you get it. Thank you for listening and learning with us and we will see you in February. February.